Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. A week from today, we will be talking about TCU's hopefully big win over Arkansas Pine Bluff. College football is here. We are done waiting. We actually have games to talk about. We're going to look at the Florida Miami game. We are going to look at the Hawaii Arizona game, do some preseason predictions, break down our starting positions that have our curiosity, that and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. As we get ready to pivot into the regular season here, we want to thank our sponsor, Teen Life, that has been with us for over a year now. Teen Life is an organization in DFW and beyond that invests in the life of junior high and high school students so that they can be equipped to make important decisions and take responsibility for their life. If you got a lot of money sitting around and you don't want to be a bag man, why don't you give it to Teen Life? Go to teenlife.ngo. You can make a nonprofit tax-deductible donation and help change the life of a junior high and high school student right here in in DFW. teenlife.ngo. Thanks so much for supporting the broadcast. Daniel, we were talking before the show started that uh, we both watched the Florida-Miami game last night. And what is, what is your big takeaway in this week zero? Which Florida team looked worse? That would have to be the one that it was ranked number eight, the Florida Gators. Uh, if I had the Benny Hill music queued up, I would hit it right now, but I don't. Uh, and that was pretty bad. They um, not ranked number eight at all. Not even close to rank, or should be. I mean, they are. They were ranked it, but they should not be even close to that. They're not a number eight team. Miami made them look silly, and Miami was awful in their own right. So that makes it that much worse. And uh, <laughs> uh, I hate those teams. So the outcome was okay for me. I'll say that. The outcome was okay for you. I think uh, you might be referencing to some games of chance where Miami was able to cover that. So I'll uh, moving right along. We do not condone, support, or encourage online gambling through European sites, unlike some members of the Frogcast. Well, Florida did get the win. Miami is is not very good, and, and Florida looked even worse. They're not the number eight team. I'll go ahead and agree with you. Jeremy, you're like me. You're probably an old man that went to bed, but I woke up to the headline that Hawaii takes down Arizona. So we got to get used to watching these Pac, these uh, Pac-12 and late-night games, Hawaii games, Mountain West games, late after the 7 o'clock game has ended. Hawaii takes down Arizona, which ultimately leads me to the real question, how overrated is Kevin Sumlin? Man, I, I man, I really wanted to stay up and watch this game, but I had a five a.m. wake up call for my daughter's volleyball tournament, so there was no way this old man was staying up that late to see that game. But what was the final score? Before I give you my analysis, I think it was forty five thirty eight. It was a one score game in the forties okay. and thirties and forties because you know uh, he got tackled at the one. He got tackled at the one, and it would have been a game. It would have it would have tied the game. So oh, yeah, it was man. a seven point game. Yeah. Well, you know, it's tough out to play those teams traveling out to Hawaii. It's pretty tough for them sometimes. And Hawaii is not a bad team. I think they'll have a pretty decent year, eight, nine wins. But someone's got a – he's an offensive-minded guy. He's got to find the right guy to run his defense, kind of like what Lincoln Riley's doing up in Oklahoma, finding the right guy that can put out a a productive defense. And – that's really been Sumlin's uh, downfall wherever he's been. He doesn't have a good defense. But, I, man, it's just too early in the season to, to judge whether or not if he's too overhyped or whatever you want to call it. But 
it is uh, it is pretty funny to see a Pac-12 team losing on opening opening weekend to a Mountain West team. 45-38, that was the final score. Manly Williams, the defensive lineman that flushed him out of the pocket, chased him for 45 yards and made the game-saving tackle at the one. So that's a that's a coach moment right there for you, Jeremy. You need to pull up that video and show it to your son and your team so that they can remember. You, know, you never give up on a play until the whistle so blows, son. Tate? You just keep playing it. Yeah, he caught Tulil Tate wow. at the one. There was a there was a, a defensive back there about the two two and a half that started to wrap him up, but he might have been able to get in. But that D lineman came in and just brought him straight to the ground. It was an amazing play, and and the dude's perfect name is game. Manly Williams. So, uh, that, that yeah, perfect name, man. Perfect name. You're going to look later in the year. They're going to beat someone that they have no business beating. That's what Kevin Sumlin's teams usually do. Yeah. Well, I haven't made my assessment of someone because I think he's a he's obviously was a great recruiter in A&M, but he couldn't do anything with it. I mean, by the time Manziel was, you know, uh, three sheets to the wind, the second season, they were they were not much. And with all that talent that he was able to recruit off of the Manziel era, he, he couldn't do anything with it. So we'll, we'll see what Jimbo is able to do here this season. We'll talk about that um, down the road. All right, Jeremy, there's two positions we want to know updates on. Let's start with the quarterback. The Frogs are obviously inside of a week of playing Arkansas Pine Bluff. We seem to continue to have questions at quarterback. Let's just go ahead and make this simple. Will there be a starter named publicly before kickoff? Yeah, I, I think it'll either be Monday during the Big 12 coaches teleconference or at the absolute latest by Tuesday when he meets um, with the local media uh, during his weekly media presser. I, I don't see it going beyond Tuesday. I asked around just to see if he's talked to the team at all to, to name a starter, and I haven't heard. Um, I, I do think people I've talked with still think it's going to be Delton, but everyone's kind of admitted that, yeah, it's going to be Delton, but it could end up being Max Duggan's job later down the line. The thing that intrigues me a little bit that that makes me think that he may – surprise us all and name Duggan as the quarterback is, did you guys see what Auburn did? Have you seen that? No, I did not. Okay. Tell me about so that. They named, did they, oh, they decided to roll with a true freshman, Yeah, they right? named Bo Nix as the starter. Uh, yes. And that's yes, the first time that. Auburn's named a true freshman as the starter since 1946. <laughs> I mean, Ooh. yeah. So teams are doing, I mean, if, if your best players, a if your best player is a true freshman, then you got to roll out there with them. And, I know he loves Max, and I know he loves Delton too. And it, the scenario I keep saying is kind of like what Clemson did: let Delton roll out there. He starts to fluster a little bit, consecutive drives, or they just can't get anything moving. I think once Max, once Max comes in, he'll do well, and then he'll never give hand the keys back over to Delton. And I think it'll be his job the rest of the way. But um, I'm I'm surprised. I did try to coax Gary out of giving me some info on it the other day and he he's not budging so i have tried i have tried and and i'm ready to top out a story but i, I just don't know who it's going to be yet but i'm i'm still personal opinion just talking with everyone i still think it's going to be delton you know i've been thinking about that of just rolling with max or easing him in and you know i was trying to think how that would be a parallel to 2007 where andy dalton Andy Dalton did not start game one, 2007. He was brought in slowly. Uh, most people think he started from day one, but that, that, that's actually not accurate. By the time you get to 2008, you know, top 10 finish, top yeah. 10 finish, top 10 finish, three in a row. 
Well, he was also but a fro- redshirt freshman. He redshirt. He was a redshirt yeah. freshman, and the Frogs went seven and five that year, or eight yeah. and five if you count that win in Houston. But I don't want to think about it that way. I want to think about how you go uh, eleven and one with a true freshman playing quarterback. The difference is the weapons that Max would have in in this season versus what Andy would have had as true freshman as a redshirt freshman. So I I am I am just kind of stumped. I I think any decision they make is right, but I think what you described is inevitable, which is Max is a leader. Max has the trust of the team. I mean, excuse me, Alex is a leader. Alex has the trust of the team, but you will not keep Max off the field this season. You will not keep him off the field in games that matter. So how the timeline of that unfolds, in some sense, is almost out of everybody's hands. I mean, we all know it's one play away from being in there, or, or Max goes in and gets hot, and then it's just over. But I, I think it's undeniable that, that Max is going to take a whole bunch of snaps this year and that he will eventually become the starter. We've all circled that Iowa State game. I know we've said that the last four podcasts, but whoever if, if whoever wins the Iowa State game, if the Frogs win it, that's the guy they're going to ride the rest of the season, in my opinion. Right. And, and one thing, I and I've mentioned this on the board too, is last year it was a little different because everyone – including their grandmas, can notice the team get a spark when Mike Collins came in there because everyone was just ready for a change. And, and and really what you have now is you have the team that's really behind all these quarterbacks because they've seen them come in and work especially hard. Uh, Alex coming from Kansas State hasn't had this attitude where he's feeling like since he's transferring here that he should be given the job without any competition. And Max has come in acting unlike a typical 18-year-old kid. He's come in and uh, won over the teammates. So either one of those two guys, I mean, they're they're going to have 100% support from every single player on that offensive side of the ball. So if anyone has any worries that, you know, if, if, if it's looking like it was last year with Sean and Mike, it's, it, it's nothing like that at all. That is refreshing. My mom, who listens to this broadcast, hi mom, she told me how much she could tell that the team was excited when when Collins came in, especially that touchdown pass to Rager. She's like, the whole place just kind of lit up when that happened. So I, uh, I I agree with you. I'm glad we don't have to deal with that in, in 2019. All right, let's flip over to the other side of the ball. We got some holes at linebacker that are being filled. You've got an update about who's moving from the defensive backfield up to linebacker and running with the, with, with the ones already. What do you have, Jeremy? Yeah, LeKendrick Van Zandt, a guy that Coach Patterson mentioned about a week and a half, two weeks ago, that was playing more linebacker now instead of safety. Apparently, he's working with the first team now. And that was kind of expected after you just start thinking about how athletic he is and you keep hearing that they really wanted him to be on the field. Because I think he was really just a player that it's – should he start? Yeah, but if he started at strong safety, guess who's sitting the bench? And I don't think every Frog fan would like Ennis Gaines sitting on the bench either. So it's kind of a win-win deal for them if they have uh, Van Zandt out there playing linebacker. If he's doing good enough at the position, why not? Because it's obviously worked in the past with guys like Traven Howard and most recently Garrett Wallow. If they can come down and, and make an impact and understand the size of the linebackers is a big concern. Neither one of them are really big, but if Great big defensive line to help out. You lost Clock, Corey Bailey, Carter Johnson on at the position. So you got great guys up front that can help those liners when they get to have to face these bigger team, bigger offensive linemen, and, and bigger running backs. Yeah, that's one thing I thought would eventually happen because I know how much Coach P likes LeKendrick. But D-, D Winters is still obviously in the two deep. And Wyatt Harris is a guy that just moved back to linebacker a week and a half ago, but he's already made an impact. Coach Patterson said the first day he moved back that Saturday scrimmage, he made a ton of great plays and really impressed him. And it just seems like that's carried over. And 
for him playing linebacker, it's more of his natural position. He did play some – he was playing defensive end because he was obviously bigger, and they they really didn't need a body at linebacker. But when you had Montrell Wilson quit and then you had uh, Ben Wilson get injured, you needed Wyatt Harris back over there. So he's he's done a great job for him to come in and already get on the two deep and, and this – limited amount of time is pretty impressive for him. That is impressive. I think it's really going to be interesting to see Van Zandt in there because that's obviously a guy that was as quick as mobile. He was a great high school basketball player. He was an amazing running back out there in East Texas. So to see that he's got some size, this is his third year in the program, third year in the weight program. I, I think it's a natural progression. We've all seen Coach Patterson take fast, strong D-backs, specifically safeties, move them up yep. to linebacker, and everything works just fine. I seem to remember a young man by the name of Traven Howard, another fast guy out of East Texas, played defensive back. Next thing you know, he's playing linebacker. Next thing you know, he's the leading tackler in, in the GP era. So not saying that that's necessarily what's going to happen for Van Sant, but he's got a good, he's got some good mentors from out there in the Piney Woods of East Texas. All right, we've got football this weekend at Amon G. Carter Stadium. Um, I want to get you both on the record. We'll start with you, Daniel. I want to get your prediction for the game this weekend. And then one thing you're really hoping to see. Let's go ahead and get a score and get one thing that you're hoping to see. Daniel, what do you have? I'm going to go 63-3. What was the other thing I was supposed to give? Uh, what are you What are you hoping to see out of the offense or defense or special teams? What's the one thing you want to see this season? Or in this game. This game, yeah. Uh, well, I guess it depends on who the starting quarterback ends up being. But I guess it doesn't really matter because I think the backup will probably play. I think that's a safe bet. Um, <laughs> well, actually, now that I think about it, I'd like to see um, all the starters done uh, by m- mid-third quarter. So... That's a fair hope. Jeremy, what's your prediction for this game? Uh, 66 to nothing. And hope, yeah, 66 hopefully to all nothing. the starters are pulled by halftime. Um, no injuries. That's the number one goal. And you hope to see mm-hmm. guys that are third and fourth team guys, even walk-ons taking snaps in the fourth quarter and just running up the middle probably in front of about 20,000 fans after all of them leave, knowing that the game's in, in the bag. So uh, that's my prediction. I think it's going to be pretty uh, pretty lopsided. Arkansas Pine Bluff is not a very good team. But by by end of Tuesday, we'll be thinking Arkansas Pine Bluff is going to be a dark horse to get in the college playoffs. Once we hear Coach Patterson talk, yes. he'll talk about how they had 170 yards against Florida International, and they're a good run team. But Let's be honest. They're not going to run for 170 yards against TCU. Even if even if TCU didn't line up right on defense 10 times during the game, they're still not going to run for that many yards. I'm going to go 58-8 or 58 or 56-6, 56-6. And the one thing I want to see is the first game in Eamon Carter with beer. I we've we've got an update from Jeremiah Donati about the kind of beer that they're going to be serving. I want to see uh, how everybody responds to, to folks having booze above board. We've had Prohibition era in Eamon Carter, 
And I know it's hard to believe, but some people have snuck alcohol into the student section. I know it's a shock that college students drink beer. I know. Unbelievable. College students have drunk, have have been drinking beer at TCU. Um, First time for everything. But I'm really interested to see how the stadium, uh, what the environment is like. I don't think it'll, I think I'll have a few odd stories where somebody's like, this guy brought back 11 beers and drank them all by himself between kickoff and the punt after three, after a three and out. (laughs) But I think for the most part, everybody's going to realize it's actually no big deal. Good for the good for the game day environment. But what I really want to see is how people deal with the in and out policy. Because when if if the frogs are up forty eight to nothing at halftime, people are going to leave and are they're going to they're they're going to go out and they're not going to come back in. So I will I will be interested to see how all of that unfolds. And I just want to say this, you know, I'm thinking about us opening with Arkansas Pine Bluff and everybody, including myself, is like, oh, we shouldn't be playing an FCS team, especially an FCF, FCS team this bad, SCS team this bad. Uh, it's a whole lot better than watching two really bad Power 5 teams in Week 0 that clearly are unable to block. The penalties are off the charts. They, they're false. There's a false start and people in the wrong formation all the time, a low-scoring game. I'm... They mentioned this on the game last night four or five times. You have preseason scrimmages yeah. in high school. You have preseason games in NFL. But in college, I mean, you just come out of the gate. Whoever lost that game is, is kind of out of the playoff yep. right away. It's The season hasn't even started. Miami's, you know, not you know, kind of eliminated from the playoffs. So you don't get that in college. So you might as well take a game like this. Maybe it'd be a little better if it was a bad Sunbelt team, but like, seriously, who cares? I mean, I know, people have heard what I said, but seriously, who cares? It's a preseason game. Get your reps, get healthy, shake the rust off and then get ready for Purdue. So if you're, if you can't have a preseason game, you might as well have a game like this. At least that's my interpretation. Yeah, cause of it, it. It, it, it's um, genuinely giving you a chance to play your starters for what, four five, six possessions. Then the rest of the time you can get, your backups, a ton of experience. It's, it's just like a scrimmage situation. Uh, and of course there's always injuries that could happen, but ideally this is what kind of game you want to start off with. Absolutely. All right, let's get to some predictions. We are going to go down through a series of predictions about the big 12. Jeremy, I'll start with you. What big 12 team is going to underperform. When you look at the preseason rankings, it could be where they land in the in the in the rankings at the end of the year, and it could just be perception about well, they did not do what everybody thought they were going to do. Who is not going to live up to the Texas. hype in the Big Twelve this year? No, oh, I heard that one. Say why? I think last year they caught lightning in a bottle. I, I really do. I, I think Tom Herman's a good coach, and I think um, that he can get them to national prominence. But I, I think last year was, I don't want to call it a fluke because they did have some good wins, but I think people are jumping on the hype train a little bit too much. I think Sam Ellinger's a good quarterback, but I, I still think they have problems up front. Uh, Colin Johnson uh, is, is obviously a good receiver, but other than him, they're, they're not really big at the position. Uh it sounds crazy to say it, but Lil Jordan Humphrey is going to turn out to be a bigger loss than, than what most people think. Defensively, uh, I think they're going to be good defensively, but I, I, I'm just not buying into the hype right now that they're a top 10 team, and that's where some people have them ranked. So if, if they finish you know, high, as high as that, I'll be completely surprised. I don't think they're going to finish top two in the Big 12. I think in the Big 12 they're going to be – somewhere behind uh, Iowa State and TCU. I could see them finishing in the three or four range. 
You know, we need to be reminded they got beat by Oklahoma State last year, who was, uh, you know, not not a great team. That was not a good Gundy, Gundy team. Last year wasn't a great TCU team, but that was not a typical Mike Gundy team, and they got beat by them. With a lot on the line, you know, that really did kind of knock them out of the playoff when they got beat by Oklahoma State. They lost to West Virginia, who uh, obviously was better than TCU last year, but that was a that was a tough loss for them to stomach. I'm going to go ahead and agree with you on that. Daniel, who do you think is overhyped in the Big 12 coming in this season? Who's going to underperform expectations? Uh, initially, I was always... I always thought Texas. I I I pretty much I have to echo everything Jeremy said. They just they're kind of just uh, they've lost a little too much talent, um, and I just don't think they're going to have have it this year. Um, so they're I guess they're not back, like they used to say. Yes, they're not back. They're not back. They're non back. <laughs> not back. Speaking of non backs. I'm going to take Baylor. Now, I am kind of on the record about Matt Rule being a good coach, and I think that Charlie Brewer is a good quarterback. They might they may end in the rankings the way that some people have predicted. They may be fifth in the Big 12 and, you know, be 7 and 5 or 8 and 4 or something like that. But they're they're going to take it on the chin in some of those losses. I just don't think that they're ready to uh, go toe-to-toe week after week with a lot of the powers in the Big 12. So give me Baylor to underperform expectations this year. Uh, we'll get to who's going to overperform here in a second, but give me give me Baylor to to not be what everybody – you know, there's people saying Baylor out, has an outside chance to win the Big 12. There's people that are saying that Baylor's going to, you know, get – you know, finish 10-2. and two. I just can't buy that. So give me Baylor as one that's not going to quite make it. All right, Jeremy, which team is going with a new head coach will look the best? That doesn't mean they'll have the best record of these groups of these of these four teams, but of those that have a new coach, who's going to overperform expectations? West Virginia, Kansas State, Kansas, or Texas Tech? Well, that's that's pretty easy for me because I think it's got to be Kansas because not because I think Les Miles is the, the the best of the four, but just because they have the the most to gain. Uh if they if they come out and they win five or six games, that is a hugely successful season for them. Would you agree? I mean, if they if they make it to a bowl game, oh yeah, five or six wins. If they win, if they win five games, he's going to be the coach of the year. I'm not even being funny. If he wins five games to Kansas, he'll be but the coach of the year. I, I, I honestly, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be less miles. I, I think people have really bought into uh, what he's doing up there. Obviously, he's got Puka Williams. It's crazy to think Puka Williams plays for Kansas because if you look at it, you look at Jalen, you look at C.D. Lamb, Tylen Wallace, and then Puka Williams is really one of the biggest offensive threats in the in the conference, and he plays for freaking Kansas. And as long as he's healthy, I think their offense is going to be able to move the football. But I, I would say out of all those teams that you mentioned that Kansas has the best chance to, uh, I guess – overperform over uh whatever you said i can't even remember i'm losing my mind here yeah which team is going to have the best season doesn't mean they'll have the num- best number of wins but who's going to overperform that's their expectations was, that's yep. the word i was so, looking for that's the word you're looking for uh jared or daniel who do you have west virginia k-state kansas or tech uh well i was gonna go with kansas but jeremy keeps stealing my ideas great minds um, think alike, so dude. i'll you can steal Kansas. I'm not going to take Kansas, so you can you can steal Kansas. I was going to go with Tech. I just feel like they've got a little bit of talent and a chance to 
and no one's kind of given him a chance really, which is fine with me. Um, but I think they'll do all right. And I think Kansas will too. It's, it's, it's kind of a toss up because Kansas is so bad. It's like Jeremy said, they've got the most to gain. They're so bad. And then, you know, less miles will do all right. Um, I would hope it may be too lost of a cause. Um, so it, it, it's going to be one of those two, I think. You know, I was going to say Tech because I really like Matt Wells. And I think, you know, Tech beat TCU last year. And we all know that Bowman's a great quarterback. But give me K-State because I think Kleinman is – he is coming from North Dakota State, which is – it makes Bama look like Kansas. That the, Their ability to just steamroll and win championship after championship at the, at the FCS level. Uh, I'm not saying that that means that he could go to Ohio State and win the national championship every year. But he is not uh, – this is not a foreign language for him to go to K-State and figure out how to get production out of guys that were a little overlooked and know how to have a system that, that just works. He's a winner. He's, he's not a guy that had an 8-4 and four season and kind of fluked himself into a job. All this guy does is, is literally been win national championships. So I'm going to go ahead and go with K-State. They're going to make a bowl. They're going to have the best season of the four. I think Tech is going to catch somebody and beat somebody. It could be Texas. It could be it could be TCU. It could be Oklahoma State. But I think K-State is going to, by the end of the season, you're going to be like, huh, I guess we didn't see that coming. So this is not Ron Prince is what I'm saying. Following Bill Snyder this time is going to be a little bit easier. So. All right, let's flip over to the big game in Jerry World, the Big 12 Championship. Jeremy, who do you predict will be the two teams playing in that game, and who's going to win it? Oklahoma and TCU. Hello, 2017 all over again. You've got Oklahoma and TCU. Who do you have winning that game? Hmm. I think – I think Coach Patterson knows how to get to Jalen Hurts, so give me TCU. Oh, we have breaking news. 8.33 on a Friday night, on a Sunday night, Central Time. Jeremy. Go ahead hit. go ahead and start sending all the Homer tre- tweets. Homer tweets. Yeah. You're just a Homer. Yeah. That's all you are is a Homer. Hey, man, right. they're, they're only missing piece right now as quarterback. That's it. That's and it. I know that's a very important position. I'm not that dumb. Um, but I think they got really good players – to fill that spot, and I'm excited to see what they can do with it. All right. I'm, I'm not going to argue with you. I think that's a great pick. Daniel, who do you have in the title game, and who's going to win it? Ditto. Oh, you got them both. You have, you're, uh, you've you got TCU Oklahoma and TCU winning it. Yep. Man. So you homer. got the homer. Just a homer. Total homer. I approve. I approve. All right, I'm going to do a little variation of this. I'm going to have... Oklahoma and TCU splitting. They're both going to be in the title game. Whoever wins the regular season game will lose the Big 12 title game. That's kind of where I'm going to shake things out. So I think, obviously, Coach Patterson is an amazing coach, and I think Lincoln Riley is obviously an amazing coach. And the idea that they would be able to beat him twice with uh, without Baker Mayfield just kind of brings down the expectations a little bit. So whoever wins the regular season game is going to lose the title game and the winner will go to the playoff and the loser will say there should have been no championship game in the first place. So that's kind of where I'm at. That's my prediction for the big 12. So, all right. So you guys don't have Iowa state winning the big 12 or getting to the title game then. So what you have them coming in third, Jeremy, do you have Texas fourth? Yeah. Yeah. I think TCU, Oklahoma, Iowa state and Texas fourth. 
I would love that for for so many reasons. One, it'd be great for TCU. Two, how do you not like Iowa State? That's a great fan base. That's a great coach. And three, of course, that Texas would be fourth. There are uh, unnamed Twitter accounts online that pass themselves off as experts that just think Texas is a player two away from winning the national title. So I'm just not quite there yet. I, I think it would be great to watch Texas be, come in fourth and uh, go to what? Orlando? Yeah, go to Orlando. Yeah. That'd be great. The, the two games on TCU schedule that are the biggest are obviously at Iowa State and at home against Texas. Um, that if they win up at Iowa State, that's they're they're going to be in the national picture. Game on. Okay, yeah. I'll go for that. They're, they're people are going to start recognizing what TCU is going to can accomplish. It. I think it'll it will remind me of the 2014 season when they started out great and then everyone started talking about them. I think that's, that's the kind of publicity they're going to get if they go out and win all their games early on and then beat Iowa state in Ames. That's, that's going to, that's going to open up some eyes right there. Okay. I'll go for that. I'll go for that. I think they're going to win that Iowa state game, by the way. So I feel good about that. All right, let's get to the cha- let's get to the playoff here. What four teams do you have in the playoff? There's lots of ways to predict this. Maybe conference champions or an independent like Notre Dame that gets in, or you know maybe the S- maybe the SEC just gets four teams in. You know, let's be honest. Maybe the two best teams in the East and the two best teams in the West are clearly the best four teams in the country. Jeremy, we'll start with you. What is your four team playoff this season? Uh, unfortunately, I'm probably going to get hammered. People are going to love me for picking TCU, but I'm not. I'm not going to pick a Big 12 team making the playoffs this year. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because unfortunately I think TCU's I'm with you Jeff. I think they I think they split if they play Oklahoma they'll split they'll either they win one or lose one. And I'm still thinking that game in Stillwater is going to be really really scary. Uh, that that's another game. All, I should always there. is. Always is. So yep. that's 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 three games now that I, that kind of concern me but I think if TC wins to the Big 12, they'll be 11-2, and two, and that's not going to be enough for them to get into the playoff picture. So, give me Clemson. Give me Alabama. I like uh, I like Ohio State as a dark horse. And I think Washington, maybe. Oh. Like Washington. Okay. Okay. So, no, uh, no Big 12 team. Okay, no Big 12. Team. And if Washington doesn't make it, give me Georgia. Yeah, that makes sense. I can see two S. I can see two SEC teams making it. Daniel, who do you have? What's your final? What's your four in the playoff? Well, uh, barring some sort of freak event, um, Alabama and Clemson are, you know, they could probably lose four games each and still get in. <laughs> um. But I, I do kind of like Georgia. I think they're finally turning that around. It's not so much the, um, the that, that weird thing where every season they were pick, picked like, you know, seven to nine, you know, preseason poll, and they turn out to be garbage. I don't feel like that's the, the, quite the case anymore. So I can see that. Um, to be honest, I really hadn't given this a lot of thought. But I do feel like the Big 12 would be left out, and especially – if TCU won the Big Twelve, huh? Well, you know I, how it is. I do know how it is. All right, I'm going to go a little contrarian here. I think, I think Oklahoma and TCU are going to be playing as an undefeated or a one-loss team. 
Um, so I think I think the winner of the Big Twelve is gonna is gonna be in a good shot to make the playoffs. So give me the winner of TCU Oklahoma. I, I guess I'm I'm kind of not holding my feet to the fire the way I am you guys is, but winner of the Big Twelve will get a playoff spot. I think it's going to be Alabama. I think it will be Clemson. I know that's like just real uh, edgy right there to pick those two. But then give me Washington. I'm going to go with Washington. I don't think the Big Ten is going to get a playoff team. Give me Washington. And I think that could be a pretty salty playoff because if you got Gary Patterson and Chris Peterson in the playoff, I think they could I think they could make some noise. So those are the those are the four teams I'm looking at. The winner of TCU OU, Washington, Alabama in Clemson. So mark you know me down. The the main reason I don't think the Big Twelve will have a playoff team is because there's so there there's so much parity between one and four. You know what I mean? Like I hear you. O- Oklahoma can lose to TCU could beat any of those four teams, they can lose to any of those or three teams. Oklahoma, Iowa State and Texas. And well, just he- same thing for all those other teams. And I could see I could see the last week of the season each of those teams, two of those teams having two losses and two of those teams having one loss going into the last week of the season where it's just chaos, where the Big 12 championship game could very easily have two teams that are seven and two going to play for the conference championship. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I hear you. That's why I say that they wouldn't make it. You know, you go back to 2017, there's a bad offsides by Mac Bozen, Matt Bozen and a weird turn, you know, you know, turnover by Kenny Hill and a screwed up snap in the red zone that kept TCU from being in the Big 12 title game with a chance to make the playoff because their only loss would have been to Oklahoma. Oklahoma got in as a 12 and one conference champion. TCU would have been playing Oklahoma, both of them as 11 and one, and that would have uh, been a de facto play in game. I don't know that the conference is much better this season than it would have been in 2017 because that Oklahoma State team was great in 2017. I mean, that Bedlam in 17 was was insane. Texas could 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 take that spot. Iowa State is clearly is so, you know solid because they beat TCU and OU in 2017, and we're all just essentially recognizing what they've been this whole time. They might not lose a game they should they might have lost in 17, but they could fight in those games. After that, I think that that four. If, if the top two teams and the top four endure one loss apiece, I think that's kind of what it would be. And after four, I don't think anybody in the top four is really going to lose to that. I think I think the drop-off between, like, if you're picking Texas four, Jeremy, the drop-off between Texas and Baylor is a mile long, but between four and five. That's a big chasm, in my opinion. And then everything underneath that is is new coaches and, and all that kind of – and Oklahoma State, they could be a wild card. Oklahoma State could cause problems. I think we all know that, but – I just I think that I think the big winner of the Big Twelve is going to get into the into the conference into the uh, playoff this year. That's just my opinion. So, all right, we'll hold y'all to those. Uh, you can you can hold me to it, Jeremy. I promise. You write them down and seal them in the envelope. I did. I put them in the envelope. I've got them in the vault. So I just want to make sure we're all clear on that. Let's revisit that here in December. Yes, we will. All right, let's go ahead and get some listener questions here. We're going to do these as fast as we can. Rapid fire. I'm going to start with you, Daniel. If you were never allowed to watch one of the following movies again, what would you give up? Fletch, Caddy Fat, Caddy Shack, or Animal House? <laughs> Caddy Fat, what? Caddy Shack, Caddy Shack, or Animal House? Fletch, Caddy Shack, or Animal House? If I had to give up one and could never watch it again, yes, I gotta go Animal House. Oh, hey now. Yeah, I, I like Fletch and Caddy Shack more. I mean, like, 
Okay, Animal House is a good movie, but I, I, I think I would rather rewatch those other two. I I will rewatch Animal House once a week if if I could because my my favorite line is eight years of college down the drain. <laughs> I resemble that remark. <laughs> I, resemble, I resemble that <laughs> remark. <laughs> zero point zero. And just to let you know, I have informed your local draft boards that you are no longer enrolled in college. Jeremy, do you think Cumby will stick to and play the best receivers, or do you think we're going to see another receiver, another season of Revolving Door? I don't know how to answer that question. Is that is he talking about rotating receivers in and out? Because I thought Jalen Rager and Tay Barber played quite a bit. I think that's what he's saying. If you reject the premise of the question, you can say that. Well, I mean, I I, I really don't know. I mean, they only have eight scholarship receivers right now, so you're probably going to see a steady amount of Jalen and, and obviously Tay, and I think you'll see uh, Mikel Barkley and Trey Heights. Barkley probably won't see until Purdue. He is a little banged up right now, but that's – I mean, if he's missing Pine Bluff, that's not a – not a huge loss, but minor setback, major comeback. Yeah, I, I think if if those guys rotate in and are, in and out, I mean Jalen's going to stay on the field. I mean you're not going to take your biggest weapon off the field, and I think you'll see him going more. You know, just instead of just lining up one spot, I think what we'll see is him moving around like we did against Oklahoma State. Sounds good, Daniel. For you, hypothetical question. Assume you have a child that's about to attend college. You may, for all you know. Um, Choose one. A full-ride scholarship to Baylor. During their time, they are neither the victim or the perpetrator of any shenanigans. Or B, they go to an Ivy League school of their choice, but you have to fund the entire quarter of a million dollars to put them through. B. (laughs) Okay. He says... uh, yeah, I know it's kind of a softball, but I always like to hear his hate discussed in his voice. So you would you would spend a quarter of a million dollars of your own money rather than take a full ride to Baylor for your child. I'd pay double if you didn't go to Baylor. <laughs> okay. In fact, I'll pay I'll pay the quarter million dollars to the school, and I'll pay them a quarter million dollars to keep their ass out of Baylor. <laughs> you are going to have so many people come forward and, and proclaim that you are their father. <laughs> Well, right. I'll have to go on Maury for that one. <laughs> we'll get tested. You are not the father. Jeremy, any other injuries during camp that are going to sideline players? You mentioned Barkley. We already know about Ben Wilson. Anything we don't know that we should know? Um, I think Wes Harris is going to be out until the Purdue game. Okay. So we'll probably see Austin Myers out there playing at right guard. Other than that, any significant ones uh, I haven't heard uh, either offense. I mean, Anthony McKinney's been kind of in and out. If he doesn't go, Quazel White will go at left tackle. Uh, but last I heard, McKinney's supposed to be out there. Um, okay. I haven't heard anything else as far as the injury front goes, especially for any prominent players, guys that are studs of the team and – going to be making major impacts this year. I haven't heard of any any big names yet. All right, so this is the follow-up. There's no truth to a post suggesting that Blacklock is a little dinged up and has been limited in practice. Any cause for concern there? He's been limited all fall camp. I mean, that's been purposely done by Coach P, uh, just making sure he has rest. It, 
him being dinged up, I mean, I haven't heard anything about that. Okay. And Garrett Wallow is still with the team, right? Yes. <laughs> he is with the team. Okay. I think that was just an unfortunate moment for Racehorse because he probably he probably thought he heard Garrett Wallow and it, obviously he was thinking Montreal Wilson. Okay. Who's going to be doing the kicking duties on Saturday, Song or Kel? And any chance that one kicks off and the other does field goals and PATs? I think Song's going to be the guy doing the PATs and field goals. Uh, they might let Kel kick off. I mean, I, w- I would think we'll see both kickers, especially in a game like this. Um, but if this was Purdue first week, I think we'd be seeing Song more than Kel. Uh, I mean, I just haven't heard anything, especially because I, I tried to ask Gary about it, just get his thoughts on the kicking game and, he said Song was this and that, and then he really didn't even mention Griffin Kell. And I think typically with kickers, he's a little bit different from other positions when he describes them. If Griffin Kell was kicking the leather off the ball, he'd be telling us. Kind of like he mentioned Jordan Sandy. He mentioned Jordan Sandy being really good in fall camp, and his uh, improvement from spring to fall has just been light years ahead of where he was and just truly unbelievable. That, that's his words, not mine. And we, I haven't really heard that about Griffin Kell yet. And so that leads me to believe that Jonathan Song is going to be the guy. But I do think we'll see Griffin kicking off or at least attempting a PAT or a field goal during the game. Okay, good to know. Jordan, who do you have in a bar fight, Jordan Sandy or the punter for Miami that looks like he just spent 6-12 uh, to 12 at San Quentin? <laughs> Hey, man, both of them are tatted up. I That's mean, all I got to say, man. Sandy, I <laughs> that mean, dude is tatted. Yes, he's tatted up. and I don't know how the guy from Miami is, but Jordan's 25, so he's a little bit more experienced maybe in the alley. The, so guy, from, the guy from Miami looks like he's got a 22-year-old. <laughs> now, he might be 38, but he's, he, is not a, uh, he is not a young man. <laughs> Jordan's a big kid, man. He's like 6'2", 205. I mean, he's, he's oh. big. Fake punt, uh, fake yeah. punt, fake punt. <laughs> hey, man, I I don't know how fast he is, but if he played rugby, he's got to have a little bit of speed. But that's one thing that I've been told that they, for anyone that's expecting a rugby a rugby style punt, it's not going to happen because they've been making him do more of the straight line punt. So okay. we're not going to see him running. And unless I've been proven totally wrong, because even when he was out there, when media had availability to come watch practice, he was doing straight on punting. He wasn't doing the rugby style punting. So that uh, might've been on purpose. To- visions of Mike Dixon or the guy from what was the guy's name from Texas? Is that his name? I think so. Yeah. It's not Dicker, the kicker it's Dixon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that kid right there, I think he was a rugby style guy. So I, I don't know if Jordan's quite that good yet, but okay. we'll see. All right, recruiting question: Should the frogs be? Should we, as fans, be concerned about the lack of interest from recruits within the Metroplex, despite being a fertile recruiting ground in the country? The frogs don't have a single commit from our quote own backyard in 2020, and there's not a legitimate candidate on the horizon. Curious question with some uh, curious facts thrown in there. What do you? What's your take on that? It, same thing I've always said is sometimes for these higher profile kids, everything about TCU is right for them. The the uh, program itself, the academics, the family atmosphere, the the facilities. The problem is it's just too dang close. 
And for some kids, it doesn't matter, but it seems like in, in all these years of covering recruiting, it seems like each year these kids are just growing to where they don't want to be that close to home. And it's really showing in this class because they've offered quite a bit of DFW kids. And I still think they'll get a handful of them or just three or four of them, but it, it is kind of worrisome, but at the same time, they've expanded their footprint way beyond DFW. So they're, they're going out and they've already got the top player in Virginia. They're getting great players out of Oklahoma. They're getting uh, great players in different parts of Texas. Uh, I think the, the players that they're getting, if they were in the DFW area, they'd, they'd be ranked just as high, uh, if not higher with more eyeballs on them. But I do get where the question's coming from because it is kind of crazy thinking you've got this great big 12 program and a recruiting hotbed and yet you're not getting any of these players they are they are actively recruiting it's not like they're just letting all the schools in their backyard down they're they're out there they're seeing the coaches seeing the players when they when they're able to but it's more it's it's not anything to do with TCU's recruiting efforts i think it has a lot more to do with the kids just genuinely not wanting to stay that close to home. And it's, it, it, if TCU was a school that was like Baylor or like Texas or like Texas Tech, just a little bit further away from home, I think they'd be getting a lot more of these kids. Uh, but yeah, it is, it is kind of eye opening that they do not have any kids from the Metroplex right now. It'll be a curious thing to uh, watch between now and early signing day and see who might shake loose, uh, especially after the as we get ready for the second signing day in the 2021 class. Hey, man, we've got Europe locked down for 2021. That's all I know. Absolutely. So we, we might not have any recruits from DFW, but, man, if you're in a former Eastern Bloc country that was under communism in the 80s, we've got you. We've got a spot for you. So, All right, final question from our listeners here. Watching Miami and Florida play, do you think the Frogs could have beaten both of them? I think with Miami, their offensive line was horrendous. I mean, it was obviously two freshman tackles, and Florida just had their way. And that quarterback, he made some good plays, but, man, some he made some bad plays too. He really held on to the ball a long time, and it wasn't like he was facing an easy defense. Florida's got a pretty good defense. I think I got like six or seven guys that are probably going to get drafted off that defense next year. But – yeah, I think TCU would have definitely beat them. I think they're more disciplined with the way they tackle. Uh, offensive line is better than Miami's. Uh, the running backs are better. They Both teams do have speed, but I think we'll see better quarterback play out of whoever it is, Alex Delton or Max Duggan, uh, than those two guys that we saw last night. Good to know. Good to know. I, I kind of agree with you, by the way, so – I think the Frogs would have beaten Miami. I think the Frogs would have beaten Florida. I know they would have beaten Arizona. I'm not sure they would have beaten Hawaii. That's just kind of where they are right now. I think the number one team in the country of who's played is Hawaii. So they've got my vote right now. Well, folks, you got anything else? Jeremy, Daniel, we've kind of exhausted all our questions, gone through our talking points, and all we have left to talk about from between now and January is football on the field. I can't wait to dive into next Sunday to see who looked good, who looked bad. It's going to be a oh. fun weekend. Dude, the overreactions are going to be here. epic. Oh, my gosh. What's yeah. going to be your number one overreaction? Who? What do you think is going to be the number one overreacted topic that we'll be discussing on Sunday? 
Uh, it's two things. One, what it's just quarterback is number one. Whatever happens at quarterback, people will there will be such a microscopic breakdown of how Max turned his hips to hand the ball off on a fourth and four with a minute and a half left in the game. You know, just it'll be so screwy. So whatever happens at quarterback will be broken down. But then someone is going to take one to the house in mop up time, and they're like, "Oh, what, that guy needs to see the field all the time." You know, why is he a walk? You know, why, why shouldn't he be out there? Arkansas Pine Bluff's going to have their male cheer, cheerleaders in there to preserve scholarships. And somebody's going to take it to the house and be like, that guy should be in there more. I don't know, understand why he's not playing. So so that's what I think. That's that's kind of my summary of the two overreactions. What do you think, Daniel? Um, I think the, someone's going to complain that they didn't have their particular flavor of beer. <laughs> And that the new screen is already too old. We need a new one. <laughs> and the speakers are, are now too loud. <laughs> yeah, they'll be so loud that I won't be able to hear the other games from my tailgate. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'll put yeah. this out there, too. I, I, I think someone, whether it's uh, Horn Frog Blitz, whether it's Killer Frog, someone somewhere is going to be bragging about how they beat the in and out policy and were able to go to their tailgate at halftime and, and argued with the ushers to let them back into the game. And they're going to be bragging about it. And that's, that's going to be something that's going to be funny to see because I'll, I'll screenshot that message and I'll send it to Jeremiah Donati <laughs> and, and uh, let him know that he's got some perpetrators out there ruining they, his policy. They could just use that mobile pass and buy a second ticket or just go on StubHub for $6 and buy a second ticket, run out to your tailgate, come back with your second ticket and get back in. It's just that simple. So it's going to happen. Someone's going to have to be that guy. I want to see the chaos. Can you do an experiment, Daniel? See if it works. You want, you want me to do that? Yeah. You're good, I don't have right? a tailgate. Well, someone will invite you to the tailgate. Hey, if, you have, if you're listening to this show and you have a tailgate, please message Daniel on Twitter at AdRanDan, and he will he will come to your tailgate. I know, yes. I know TX Blitz has one. He does. He's bought me he's, – he's purchased me beer before, so he's a good me guy. Too. Yeah, me that's too. right. Yeah. I've gotten a ton of invites over the years to come to tailgates and always want to come by, but the temptation to – drink booze is far too great for me to stop by and visit and with it, fine folks of TCU. Yeah. I keep going to press box smelling like booze, man. TX know? Blitz has a big one. Uh, Jeff McCain has a big one. Uh, there's a couple other people that have really good tailgates. For so. the right price, I'll make it an appearance. <laughs> you have an appearance fee? You're charging people now? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Because I will attract, you know, I'm a celebrity. I make a little podcast. So I'll attract others to your tailgate. I'm, I'll increase your social status. You're a social media influencer. That's kind of what you are. Yeah, I really am. <laughs> yeah, let's face it. I think you should have a meet and greet, kind of like Meet the Frogs, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> I should. You definitely I'll be, I'll be right there on the 50-yard line at the indoor practice facility. Come, <laughs> come by and say hi. If you're young, single, well, if you're like 27, single and wealthy, Daniel would very much like to meet you. If you're younger than that, submit an application. <laughs> it will be reviewed. It will be reviewed. Yes. You're, or if you're, if you're 87 and single and wealthy, he would also be interested. So. 
Submit an application. <laughs> Submit an application. That's right. Oh, that's right. At, you know, at Randan. At, Ra- at Randan. That's a great Twitter handle. You kind of have to be a TCU buff to get that one. At Randan. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, Jeremy. Somebody's going to uh, brag about uh, busting in for the in and out policy. Someone is going to complain about one of the upgrades, not the ones that we've already mentioned. There's going to be some great game day upgrade, and they're just going to – I almost said a bad word. They're going to complain about it like it's the end of the world. They're never coming back. I can't believe that you turned your back on a season ticket holder. So, yeah, that's going to be – that's going to that's gonna unfold. <laughs> Well, next week, we'll, uh, I don't know when we're going to record next week, just to be honest, because it's Labor Day weekend. And in a week from right now, I'm going to be watching Oklahoma-Houston, which is the Sunday night ABC game. game. Oh, I heard that. You've got Houston beating Oklahoma. Upset Upset alert for the Sooner. You know, we didn't even do any predictions. Uh, We just did Big 12. I mean, we just did who's going to get into the championship game and all that stuff. What else is... All right, Oklahoma. We're at 52 minutes right now. Let's let's do a quick. All right, I'm picture. pulling it up. Give me a second here. All right, uh, somebody talk. Mummering under his breath. I know he is. All right. Uh, and- I'm all right. All right, okay. hold on. Hold Who on. Who do you think, Daniel? Oklahoma and Houston? I don't know. Uh, Oklahoma's been pretty darn good these last few years and, you know, frustratingly good. Like, like you can't beat them, and unless you get to the playoffs, then they're toast. But uh, I don't know anything about Houston other than Dana Olgerson going there, and they got Derek King. Derek King, yeah, speed demon at quarterback. They got good athletes. They've got to replace Ed Oliver. I mean, mm-hmm. Oklahoma's going to score a lot of points, but I think Houston could score a lot of points too. Yeah, it 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 could go either way. I mean, I'd be interested to see because. Because Dane is a good coach, uh, and with that kind of talent, um, yeah, it could go. It could go their way. He's one of those uh, Mike Leach disciples, too, like Lincoln is. Yeah. I'm going to go with Oklahoma's going to blow the doors off of him. So that's just me. All right, here's a couple of games. I'm going to hit you guys up with this. I got Utah at BYU on Thursday night. Utah is preseason 14. I'm going to go ahead and take BYU to win this game. I think everybody's high on Utah for no reason. So give me BYU over Utah. Give me the fighting Kyle Whittinghams. The fighting Kyle Whittinghams. Maybe one of the most underrated coaches in F- in FBS. I'm a big Kyle Whittingham fan, but he's going to lay an egg on Thursday night, and his fans are going to have a coronary losing the Holy War. That's one of those underrated rival game rivalry games because it's the hardcore Mormons against just your average secular <laughs> Mormons, and it's like – the the Utah Mormons will drink beer behind closed doors, but the Utah but the BYU Mormons won't. So that's a that's a battle. Um, Friday, Oklahoma State goes to Oregon State. Oklahoma State's going to blow the doors off them. I mean, I just said that they're going to beat them pretty bad, aren't they? Give me the Cowboys. Yeah, give me the Cowboys. Daniel, you going to take the Beavers? Say that again. I said, are you going to take Oregon State Beavers over Oklahoma State? <laughs> uh- no, uh, Oklahoma State will handle that easily. All right, let's see here. I've got a couple others. Um, we'll get into the Saturday games. Um, obviously, you are right, USC and Fresno. I'm gonna. I got USC on upset alert here. Give me Fresno over USC. Uh, Texas over Louisiana Tech. Pitt or UVA over Pitt, and then. Um, 
man, there's not a lot of good games next Saturday. There's just not a lot of good games next what Saturday. What about Oregon and Auburn? Yeah, Oregon and Auburn. That's right. I've got that one. I I missed that one. Yeah, or excuse me, Oregon and Auburn. Oregon and Auburn. who do you have in that game? Game Auburn. Oregon. All right, Jeremy, you're taking Oregon. Daniel, you're taking Auburn. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll take Oregon in that game too. They got the better quarterback. They do. They do. So you you're taking Oklahoma, uh, Daniel, and you're taking o, or you're taking Houston, Jeremy. You're taking Houston over OU. Yes. Oh man. All right. That's Give fine. Give me chaos and week zero. Give you chaos. Week That'd be one. week, week one. one. I, I get fed up with all these week zeros and week ones, and mm-hmm. I guess we'll yeah. just call it the first true weekend of college football. Yeah. Why does Why does ESPN not have? Uh, no, they do. Oh man, Oklahoma is a twenty-four and a half point favorite over Houston. Give me Houston to cover that one. Man, give me Houston to cover that one. I may have to go bet on that one, but I don't want to say anything about it because we don't endorse that. No, No. 24 and a half points. That's a whole lot. Use Daniel. Yeah. (laughs) What what website you use? Stay on on after the (laughs) stop recording. 82 and a half is the the over-under. I will take the over on that one. That's yeah, a that's a lot of points, but I'll take it. So if 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 Oklahoma scores a bunch on Houston, does the AAC not play defense? I think that's what it is. You okay. know what? I'm actually interested in seeing that game is Alex Grinch, the new DC at, at yeah. Houston. Yeah, I'll be interested to see that one. And they've so. got athletes on defense for Oklahoma. They just haven't put it together. Man, Mike Stoops, he's like a – He's like a bad disease. <laughs> that guy, man, he just taints everything and ruins everything. He's going to be the defensive coordinator for the Dallas Renegades. Oh, my gosh. Wouldn't that be terrible? It's Bob's brother. It's Bob's brother. Yep. They don't lay, they don't lay a spread for an FCS game, so there's no, uh, there's no spread for the TCU-Arkansas Pine Bluff game, but they are a 99.9% favorite. Good. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. I will make that. I will not make that mistake again. We'll do some predictions for uh, the upcoming games next week. So, all right, we're at fifty-eight and a half minutes. It is a merciful. It is time to bring this show to a merciful end. Thank you so much for listening to Frogcast this episode. We have uh, really appreciated you sticking with us through the off season. I know we didn't have a lot to talk about with baseball. I know we didn't have a ton of lot to talk about with basketball. But hopefully, you've stayed engaged with recruiting, keeping updated on what's going on inside and outside the program, as well as what has taken place through fall camp. If you haven't yet, please go to hornfrogblitz.com and subscribe to our website. This is a great way for you to stay connected to everything we talk about on this show, as well as inside information that Jeremy is able to bring to us for all of those hardcore fans like ourselves. Also, if you haven't, go to and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Give us a rating and review. It's an easy way for people to track us down and to get the word out about this podcast that's going on five years strong. So for Daniel Southern and for Jeremy Clark, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to the Frogcast.